What's the best part of having a successful business? Well, I would definitely say having this community of students, right? Mm -hmm. I have really enjoyed seeing everyone's successes, seeing everyone be empowered to make the changes in their lives, to dream again about what they want, what they truly want, instead of feeling like they're on some path that somebody laid out and they're not happy, but like actually starting with what do I want and then going and getting it. And so that really like from day one has been a really vital part, I think, of our success because it's driven us to do so much for our students and to care about them so much that we show up in a different way than if if we didn't care. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio, cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the Crash Course in Cash Flowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E, or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join the waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fastfire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, we are doing something a little bit different. It's going to be Kenji and I, and Kenji specifically is going to be asking me questions about being a female CEO. And the background behind all of this is actually comes from our podcast manager. And she thought a lot of you would be interested in hearing what it's like to be leading semi-retired MD as a female. And so Kenji has some very difficult questions to ask me. So with that, let's get going. All right. Yeah. Well, just a little bit of context, though, before we get started. Uh, if if you don't know, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we decided to split up our responsibilities where I became the CEO of our real estate business and we made Letizia uh, the CEO of the semi-retired MD business. And I think that that was a really important decision. And I think it was one of the decisions that I think really helped us get to that next level. Uh, and I think a lot of it was Letizia's leadership just leading this company really well. But another part of it was just getting me out of the way. <laughs> I think having two 
heads uh, was uh, really difficult. Uh, it was definitely uh, potential for putting a lot of strain on the relationship, right? So I think it was one of the best decisions that we've ever made. And I think it really helped us let the blog kind of take off. Yeah. And then, and a little bit more context is actually, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. (laughs) I mean, uh, we had been involved in two startups Mm -hmm. together and then also our real estate portfolio, but it's not like I knew how to manage a team or grow a team or build a team or anything about how to create team culture or any of that. And so it's been a really huge learning opportunity for me. Um, I've done a ton of reading, a lot of masterminds, a lot of coaching to really learn how to run a company. And, you know, now we've built it into a multi-million dollar company in just uh, about a year and a half. And a lot of that was just from, from a lot of the concepts I've learned and our incredible team that we've now built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, then let's maybe uh, start by kind of talking about some of that training and coaching you've done, uh, because you you mentioned that you read a lot of books, you've also attended some masterminds, and you got some coaching. So what can you kind of talk to us about what you've done, what kind of training you've done, what mindset you've work you've done? I think the really biggest thing that has had the impact has been our Tony Robbins coaching. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, we actually signed up and it was March of 2019. We signed up for a year long Tony Robbins program. And part of that was business mastery. And I remember we went to our first business mastery in June of 2019. And at that point, we we had a blog that was that was that was extent of everything. And we really didn't have any income coming in from that blog. It was um, so, so we went to Business Mastery 2, which is really about planning all the systems and processes of your company and making them better. We didn't really have a company. And so I remember a lot of what came out of that was really pivotal in trying to think about how we wanted to grow our company, realizing we really needed a team. That's where we made that decision to split our roles and leadership, which allowed us to make decisions, allowed us to, allowed me really to step up into that role and say, okay, I'm running this company. How do I want to lead it? And so that was a really big deal. I also have a Tony Robbins coach who actually is really, really helpful. She runs a real estate portfolio herself and then does business results training. So she's in a lot of different businesses, watching them and helping people improve their business performance and their team culture. So she's been really, really helpful the last maybe three months in helping me think through some of the challenges that I go through. And then it's just reading. I've read a lot of really great books this year. Number one is probably The Who Mm -hmm. um, by Jeff Smart was incredible in thinking about team building and making sure that Every role has an, has outcomes, measurable outcomes, so people know that they're succeeding and making sure that we hire A players is a big deal. And then we signed up, I signed up for Keith Cunningham's training. And so you've heard us talk about that on previous episodes. Keith Cunningham is the original rich dad, at least the way he tells it, who trained Robert Kiyosaki. And so he's a guy who actually lost $100 million in his business journey. So he has a lot of pearls and he talks a lot about what are the things you can't offload as a CEO, um, what are your roles, and then making the machine, which is instead of using a hand crank to make a machine of a company that can actually handle things much more efficiently. So I've spent a lot of time focusing and thinking about that. And my whole team laughs at me because I love my org chart. And I spent a lot of time, even every week, looking at my org chart and planning my org chart. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember from Business Mastery and one of the takeaways for me 
was what Tony said is like, you know, the biggest chokehold of every business mm-hmm. is the is the CEO, right? And so that was one of the reasons why it was like important for me to step out and let have one leader, right? One decision maker. But when you think about that statement, what are some other things that come to mind in terms of how leaders can really keep their businesses from growing and be successful. Oh my gosh, we've we've seen this like time and time again that leadership is the chokehold of the business. Mm-hmm. It's people's mindsets ultimately that really lead them to either make poor decisions or not make decisions or yeah, get stuck in analysis paralysis or whatever it is. It truly does or or model inappropriately. Like I've definitely fallen into that. I'm known a little bit as, well, I have a squirrel board, which is for all my ideas, right? Because I have so many ideas. And sometimes I have challenges setting priorities, and I'm running in 10 different directions at once. And when I model that, it comes out and my it affects my team too. And they feel dr- drawn in 10 different directions at once. And the priorities are constantly changing and pivoting. And so Again, it's it is the leader. Like everything has to start with you. And number one is culture. And if culture is really the key to uh, creating a successful business, if you don't model the culture yourself, if you don't lead as an example, if you don't set the vision of what you want, how how you want the culture, which is how everyone treats each other, mm-hmm. if you don't set that, like the business will never function no matter how many people you have on your team because everyone will be not treating each other well and it just leads to dysfunction and then all of a sudden the work doesn't get done and i think it's that's the pathway to disaster so ultimately you as a leader have to embody your culture and be an example of it for everyone else around you amazing yeah well let's uh, kind of shift to the the topic today which is really you know about being a female ceo and so maybe you can kind of uh, share with the audience, like what what does a typical day uh, look like for you? And can you kind of walk through how you set set your schedule? Yeah. So when Freddie gave us this, this question, I was like a little bit embarrassed to answer it, uh-huh. to be honest, because I'm supposed to like, I feel like I'm supposed to say like, you know, I wake up at five, I run a marathon, I like, <laughs> you know, have all this structure. But that's kind of not really what I do. I mean, I like one of my joys not having to go to work every day is not to have to wake up to an alarm clock. And I love just waking up whenever I wake up in bed. And so what normally happens in our household is that our kids have have actually this light that turns green that they can get up. We have two kids living with us, five and two. And they'll come in at when their light turns green and they'll wake me up and they'll wake me up by cuddling with me. And so most of the time, I don't wake up into an alarm clock. I wake up at 730. I'm not waking up at five and I'm not like getting up and running a marathon. I'm just, you know, crawling out of bed, going downstairs and having breakfast. And then we start our day at 8 a.m. We really structure it. Well, we ended up structuring it. And this is something we've developed over the last year, uh, really out of necessity, is we decided to structure days according to what we're doing. And so like Monday is really a lot of meetings, um, a lot of reaching out and making connections for me with new relationships, new vendors, whatever it is, you know, chatting with people who need me on the team. 
And then Tuesdays, we've made a content day. So Kenji and I spent a lot of time doing podcasts on Tuesday, writing blog articles, which has mostly been offloaded to Kenji, even mm-hmm. though it used to be mostly me. I had to offload some of the stuff. Kenji does a lot of the empire builders. So we'll record and then we'll be creating new courses and things like that on Tuesdays. So Tuesdays are really packed, like recording days for us. Wednesdays, we've decided to take off. And we decided this probably like, I want to say like six months ago, but we didn't implement it for a long time. And this is a great thing that my Tony Robbins coach did for me. She's like, well, what would Tony say? And she's like, he would say, you just haven't decided yet. And that was kind of a gut punch, like, okay, I got to decide to do this. Mm -hmm. So after that, we just decided to do it. And so on Wednesday mornings, I do this mastermind with a bunch of other entrepreneurs. It's pretty eclectic group, like a lot of, I mean, there's a marketer, there's a number of lawyers, there's like an internet specialist. It's it's really a CPA. That's It's a great little mastermind to do that for about an hour. And then we have the day off together and we go hiking. We, a lot of times we're working on our short-term rental, to be honest, in the last six months that Mm -hmm. took a lot of our time on Wednesdays, but we basically do projects together outside of the house without the kids. So that's a really big bonding time for us. And then also planning time for thinking through a lot of the strategy and of of both companies, right? We have Umbria, which is our real estate company and semi-retired MD as well. And then on Thursdays is process and structure. So one thing I learned from Keith Cunningham is that the price of entrepreneurial success is structure and leverage. And so leverage is building your team and then structure is building processes. So I spent a lot of Thursdays doing processes, thinking about metrics, thinking about my org chart, meeting with my director of operations, like planning out the changes we want to make in the company. And then on Fridays is team meetings. And again, like trying to catch up on all the other things that people need me for, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's editing a podcast, you know, excerpt or anything like that. There are a lot of little projects that we have ongoing all the time. Yeah, I find that uh, for people who are listening, who are growing their businesses, I think one of the things that you have to do is you have to actually push stuff off of your plate and onto others. So you can focus on the things that a CEO should focus on, right? Mm-hmm. So I think content was a really important one where you ultimately had to kind of let that go, even though you really enjoy it. I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of had to say, okay, I got to really shift, you know, blog writing, you know, preparing for podcasts. I and mean, of course you're here for this podcast, but, but ultimately preparing for it, you've shifted it to somebody else. And so uh, that's a uh, really, I think a sounds like an important kind of role for a, a leader. Yeah, I would say there's been a lot of challenges along the way, which is part of the natural progression of doing and building anything new. So it's it's not like it's a bad thing, but boy, we have had to pivot and change so many times. And there's still a lot of like struggle I feel in trying to make the time that I need to protect what should be my priorities, you know, like I'm supposed to be really writing this book right now and we're in February and I haven't uh, made a whole lot of progress on this book that I want to make progress on. And it's again, because I'm allowing other things to get in my way of my time block. I literally have a time block, like write the book for three hours today. And then I, I end up, you know, getting pulled into other projects or answering people or taking care of other things. And, and that was, that's my choice. That's ultimately my choice. And I just need to be a lot more disciplined. So it's a constant learning and a constant adjustment. And it's not like poof, one day you have it all figured out because you never do. 
it's just constant working, you know, like atomic habits. I think he talks about making 1% improvement every single day. It's exactly what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Well, talk to us about being a mother and a CEO because... All right. We, you said that you have, we have two kids living with us, two and five. Uh, we have another one on the way. Uh, and then we also have a soon-to-be 18-year-old and so who doesn't live with us. So you know, obviously, you got a lot of responsibilities there being a mother and a CEO. So kind of how do you balance those, those things? Yeah. So I actually didn't mention in the schedule, right? In the mornings, we spend the time with the kids. Usually it's half an hour to an hour, just having breakfast with them, you know, talking to them, cuddling with them in bed. At lunchtime, we also take off time from 12 to 1, and we have lunch with them. Again, we're spending more time with them. You do a lot of playing with them Mm -hmm. during that time. And then at dinner, around 5 or sometimes 6, but usually 5, we stop working and we hang out with them again. Now, what I found was during those times that we allotted to spend with the kids, I was spending a lot of time doing other work, not necessarily SRMD work, but like loading the dishwasher, cooking. I remember we have a number of people living with us. We have six people in our household right now, six. Mm -hmm. And so I was literally going and I was cooking dinner at five. So it'd take me an hour. And then I was also, you know, during lunch, I was cleaning and I was cooking and it just was, I, I realized, I mean, on an average day, I was spending one and a half to two hours just on that kind of stuff. And that was taking away from the kids. So ultimately, I had to make the choice, like, I've got to offload better. We started off offloading. And this is something, again, we actually learned in Tony Robbins. They talk about this a lot, actually. And a lot of the training we went to is is learning to manage your time better by offloading the things you don't need to do. So we started by offloading, like, just basic, like, housekeeping kind of stuff. And then we've now advanced to, we have a chef come in once a week. Mm-hmm. cook four meals for us. And that frees me up an hour and a half a day, you know, for four days a week, that's a really big deal. So it's those kind of changes I had to make that when I had time for the family, I was actually there with the family instead of trying to cook for the family, for example, or declutter for the family. 
it made sense to try to be more present for our kids. Again, we are not perfect at this by any means. We definitely are guilty of being on our phone sometimes as well. And, but you know, it's slow progress. But what I love about our current setup is that we have time every single day in the morning, the middle of the day and the evening for our kids. Mm -hmm. And obviously weekends as well. And that's not something we had when we were both hospitalists, when we were working full time, it's not like we could be there for lunch with our kids every day. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think in that way, like we've found a much better balance to be with our family than we used to have. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that the price of entrepreneurial success is uh, structure and leverage, right? And if you think about that, okay, you could think about that applied to your team, right? But then you can also apply that to your household, right? So what right. you've done is you've, you've gotten leverage by hiring people to help with laundry, cleaning, you know, cooking, right? All these kinds of things. So you're not having to do that. You can actually focus and spend time with the kids. If you, you know, if that's what you choose to do, you know, structure is also really important, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people don't love having this kind of regimented schedule, but we were just talking today about, hey, if we don't respect that time block for writing a book or creating content, then we're, you know, we're not going to achieve what we need to achieve. Right. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that, yeah, the price is we just have to kind of be much more regimented in our structure, even though that's not our, we love random. We love kind of spur of the moment. Right. We love that kind of variety. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that's part of the price is that, you know, if we want to really have a better balance and I don't, I know we both don't like that word balance, yeah. but if we want to have that balance, then we do need to kind of be really regimented about our personal time separated from our, our work time. Yeah. And I remember I had a lot of excuses of why we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I put up a lot of roadblocks you know, like ordering Costco delivery every week. Like I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, the prices are just so crazy. And like, I'm paying a markup and like all these reasons I didn't want to do it. And same with getting somebody to come in and help with our laundry and stuff like that. I was like, well, we're traveling two weeks a month. So there's no regular schedule. Nobody's going to want that. So like I had all these roadblocks that stopped me from taking action and actually searching for that person for a long time. And it was just roadblocks in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think, you know, you have to you have to be patient, you have to kind of set in your mind what you want. And I love our setup now, right? But if I think about where we started, where we had none of this, none of the resources, the the support, the leverage, I couldn't even imagine you know, that we could have what we have now, right? Uh, it just took time, you know, it you had to time. really kind of focus it on it. It took time, a mindset shift. And it and it also, yeah, took just realizing that we needed to value our time differently, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, I was valuing like the putting the dishes away in the dishwasher, making sure that happened during lunchtime instead of spending time with the kids, mm-hmm. right? And ultimately like that, that wasn't the right value that I was putting on that. And so I had to change the values that I put on my time. Yeah, no, I think this is a really valuable lesson, not just for for women, but men as well, right at home and just uh, being a stay at home dad, I think yeah, a lot of yeah, I was definitely doing a lot of that. I know you were doing a lot of that as well. But my dad was definitely doing my share. But yeah, I think it's a really, really important lesson to use that leverage to to be structured about your time. So. Right. And this is also going to shift in time is I think mm-hmm. the other thing too, like when we have a baby in a couple months, like this will have to shift again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always a process and always figuring out what works at that moment. And just because you figure figure it out, it's not going to necessarily be that way for years. All right. Well, let's talk about kind of have you have you ever encountered any kind of stereotypes 
as a female real estate investor or a female CEO? Any any kind of things you've run into? Yeah, yeah? I mean, I, I think it's been a fair amount. I mean, you've heard about it for years now <laughs> because it's not just in semi-retired MD. I mean, it was right. in all the companies before too. Mm. And so I think, you know, it shows up in little tiny ways. So for let me tackle real estate investing first. I mean, there are a lot of events that we go to that I'm the only woman. I'm the token woman in the room, right? And that's unfortunate, but it's it's just that a lot of women until this point haven't really gone into real estate investing. I'm really proud. I think we're changing that. Our blog is majority readership women. A lot of our class is women. A lot of it is single women. And so I know that's going to change with time. It just people needed to see other women stepping up and taking leadership in this. So I know that's going to change. And I can't say that I've gotten a lot of overt sexism or anything like that in real estate investing, but I know I'm sure it's under underneath that, right? Because you literally see every single real estate meeting, it's almost always men. Mm-hmm. You know, within companies, like you definitely see that. So you see it in little ways. Again, like I know you've heard this story like a million times because when we did our second company together, when I would write emails, people would write back to me and they would say, oh, it, Thanks, Kenji. And they would reply to Kenji, Mm -hmm. like who was CC'd on the email. Mm -hmm. Like the email was written from me, had my name on it, and they would write back to Kenji, right? And I see this actually in our blog too. I was writing majority of our blog articles for the first two years and people would write to Kenji and be like, I love your blog. Or people would come to the Facebook community and be like, hey, Kenji, your blog is so great. And it was like the blog articles were written from my voice a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. But what they recognized and focused on was you. So that was really, really, that's been an interesting thing. I can't say that I've ever like overtly challenged people besides perhaps one time at a, at a conference when I was told that my blog was a C blog for sure. Um, <laughs> that got me a little <laughs> pissed. And But most of the time I just ignore it and just like keep going because it's the way the culture is. It's the way people have been raised. It's not their fault. And so I, I guess I've always erred on the side of not creating waves, not saying that's necessarily the right way to handle it. But my tendency is just to you know, make sure I, I've come from a place of confidence and just continue to step up and be a face for women, but not necessarily like create a lot of fights over it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Well, any, any roadblocks uh, that you've run into? Gosh, I don't, not that I can think of off the top of my head. It's, it's mostly just those little subtle things. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about inspiration. What has been the best part of owning and running a successful business? Because I, you know, a lot of people out there, you know, uh, women out there are wanting to start their own businesses. They want to be successful. So, what's the best part of uh, having a successful business? Well, I think a lot of the women listening to this are involved in creating real estate businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So they're already business owners. So the question is, what is the most the best part so far about running a business for me? Well, I would definitely say having this community of students, right? I have really enjoyed seeing everyone's successes, seeing everyone be empowered to make the changes in their lives, to dream again about what they want, what they truly want, instead of feeling like they're on some path that somebody laid out and they're not happy, but like actually starting with what do I want 
and then going and getting it. And so that really like from day one has been a really vital part, I think, of our success because it's driven us to do so much for our students and to care about them so much that we show up in a different way than if if we didn't care. But I'd say more recently, building the team has like been so fulfilling because it's actually just the same thing in a different version. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I get to help people like have a an amazing experience working for a company to set a example of what a company culture can be to have people who have had all these terrible experiences previously in businesses. Like I almost describe it as like PTSD. I see in my employees of like, well, are they going to be backstabbing me? Is, is this going to create drama? Is, am I going to get fired? And it's like, no, we are going to be transparent. We're going to be open. We're going to give each other feedback. Like we're going to treat each other right. Like that's what this business is about. And all of a sudden I'm seeing them blossom, Mm -hmm. you know, and seeing them step up and take ownership and grow in ways they never would have. And seeing them just take that pride and empowerment. And so now growing my team is like an extension of of serving the students, right? It's serving my team. And, and that really has been one of the most unexpected highlights of growing a business. And I think for those people who are out there, you know, building real estate businesses, you can do the same thing. You have a team, you have property managers, you have contractors, you have all these people who you can set the example of, you know, how people treat each other. And you can set the example of, leadership and culture. And, you know, when there's tough times, have those honest conversations, these open conversations, and also, you know, come to them with these big goals of what you're going to do for your future. You never know what, who you're going to inspire. I mean, I think about some of our like contractors who have been working with us for years, right? And I actually think one of our students, their contractor got into investing in real estate because they got to see her modeling this, Mm -hmm. right? And, and see what, her future was going to look like because she got into investments. And so you literally will change the people's lives around you. It's a ripple effect. It's, you know, throwing the pebble in the water and suddenly everyone around you, you're affecting and you're changing their view of what's possible for them. And I think a lot of our students and a lot of our people who are building real estate empires are able to do that for all the team members that they're working with as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I thought you were going to say the best part was uh, not waking up to an alarm. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. What advice would you give to women who want to start, you know, who want to be, you know, successful leader, successful business? Yeah, I think the first step is just believing it's possible. Mm -hmm. I didn't even ever consider it. I never considered that I would be a leader in anything. Actually, I just thought I would show up and be a doctor. And I never wanted to be CEO of a hospital or any of that. I had had no interest in leadership at all. But then once I started to see the path, I could see that all the things that I lacked, right? I didn't like taking over this company and starting to build it from scratch. It's not like I had any experience at all previously building a team or building a company, but it's totally learned. And Keith Cunningham said, there are no such thing as natural leaders, natural CEOs. You actually can learn all these skills. And so if you start and you believe that you can do it, then you just have to learn how to do it. And it's, it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's, it's engaging actually. You know, you think when I think about like most people and they hear that I love reading realistic textbooks, they think Mm -hmm. I'm really weird, but it's, it's like, 
if you told me that 10 years ago, I'd be like, that sounds horrible, like reading real estate textbooks. But I love it now because it applies to me and I can take all that I'm learning and I can actually apply it to the portfolio. It's the same thing with being a CEO, a female CEO, is you once you're in the weeds, all these books, all this coaching, all these masterminds that you do become so relevant to you. They become extremely engaging and you will just be a sponge growing and learning all the time. And it's really fun, really, really fun, right? It's Mm -hmm. the key to fulfillment is contribution Mm -hmm. and growth. Mm -hmm. And what this gives you is growth. And then if you can find the way to contribute, like, uh, you know, for me, the contributions to my students and to now our employees, if you're in real estate and you're building a real estate portfolio, your contribution is probably to yourself, your family, and maybe there's a bigger vision of how you want to spend your time as a doctor. Maybe it's volunteering, but there's also the contribution to your team members, your property managers, your contractors, you're creating those livelihoods. And so if you can see that, then that will also be a source of fuel for you to continue to grow yourself, to show up for them. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, let's, uh, finish this podcast like we do with uh, anytime we have a guest on. Uh, and I'm going to ask you, what's the one strategy that separates a rich doc for from a poor doc? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was initially going to say relationships, because I really think that what brings fulfillment is those relationships and helping other people succeed. I think this is something actually Tony Robbins, I know I've quoted him a lot here is said, what happens when something really great happens to you, right? what do you do? You want to go tell your best friend, your husband, whomever, you want to go tell them about it because sharing it together just amplifies it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what relationships do, right? It's a chance to show up and serve somebody and, and take your love and amplify it by seeing them feel so great about it. But you can't show up in a relationship how you need to show up if you haven't worked at your mindset. So it actually all draws back to mindset, which you knew was going to be my number one is, is coming in and having a growth mindset where you really are constantly looking at improving yourself, um, improving how you show up every day for your family, for everyone around you, for your employees, for everyone in your real estate portfolio, you know, recognizing when you're limiting yourself, recognizing that everything that you do is really you control it's a choice and that Brooke Castillo has the model is another way of saying it is is everything that happens to you is a circumstance but you control all the rest of what you decide to think about it or act or the meaning you give it Um, and I think doing that work and being able to control and understand that you can control your mindset ultimately is the key to building a successful business, a successful life, um, successful relationships. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for uh, sharing what it's like to be a female CEO and uh, some of the, you, you, I think you're going to inspire a lot of, a lot of people to, uh, to step out there and, and be leaders themselves. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for interviewing me and um, to our podcast manager, Freddie Ham, who really came up with a lot of these questions mm-hmm. and uh, is a driving force behind this episode. Well, if you like this episode, uh, be sure to hit subscribe and, and leave us a five-star review. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode.
The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.